0: Brandon.
1: Faith Talk Tampa, online at letstalkfaith.com. Download the Faith Talk Tampa app.
0: Following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre-recorded.
1: So when it came time for Isaac to pronounce his blessing, he told Esau, go hunt some food for me and make a good meal. This will be my last meal. I'm going to bless you, Esau, and then I'm going to die. But while Esau was out hunting, as you know, Rebekah came up with a lying scheme to dress Jacob up like Esau and deceive her husband into giving Jacob the blessing, thinking he was Esau. Remember, he was dim in his sight, and he could not see. Now, we read this story, and you've got to wonder How could Isaac have blessed Jacob in faith? Come on, faith? How could this be faith at all? The man was rebellious. The whole family acted shamefully. Isaac stubbornly refused to submit to God's choice of blessing. That was Jacob. I mean, he's not just fooling around with his inheritance. He's fooling around with the whole Abrahamic covenant now. It's pretty serious.
0: That story from Genesis 25 and 27 is a pretty poor example of living by faith. But in spite of Jacob's and Rebecca's conniving, God still worked everything out, according to His great plan to redeem humanity. But their interference demonstrated a failure to trust, and they paid a high price for it in the years to come. Welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve has been serving at Lakeside since 1981, and his teaching ministry at Lakeside has grown to include these daily Bible classes of the air. In this introduction, we saw an example of a lack of faith. But in our lesson today and in the following two lessons, we will see that even though Jacob was a real scoundrel in his early years, God made some big changes in him as he grew older. Such big changes that we find Jacob listed among the heroes of the faith in Hebrews chapter 11. We have been studying the heroes of the faith for almost two weeks now, and there is still a great deal to be learned from this famous chapter. If you have your Bible handy, you might want to turn to chapter 11 of Hebrews to be ready to follow along with Pastor Steve.
1: The last words of a dying man, as we all know, reveal much about that person, For years, in fact, for centuries, courts of law have taken the words of a dying man at face value. Why? Because a dying man has absolutely nothing to gain by lying. His words have tremendous credibility in death because the need to deceive is over. Think about that. No longer does he have any need to pretend he's going to die. So what difference does it make? So even the courts of law admit that tremendous credibility lies in a person who is about to die in his words. Now, history is filled with the records of deathbed statements made by all kinds of people, and they really tell us a lot about these individuals. In fact, you can, you can buy whole books on this, but for example, the final cry of Voltaire, the French skeptic, was this. He said, I am abandoned by God and man. Just despair. Just despair. His heart was was expressing itself in words of despair because his heart was a heart of despair. On the other hand, John Wesley, the uh, founder of the Methodist Church and great man of God, his final words were, and I quote, the best of all is that God is with us. Imagine dying with those words. The best of all is that God is with us. What hope, what contrast between Voltaire and Wesley just before I attended the Moody Bible Institute, the president of the school was a man by the name of William Colbertson. In fact, I lived in Colbertson Hall, though never knew Dr. Colbertson. But I have read his biography many times, many times. And his biographer says that the last words of William Colbertson, that great man of God, were, he said, "Yes, yes, God." You see, he he died as he lived in submission to God. Imagine dying with the last words, yes, God. What a way to live and what a way to die. As someday all of us are going to die, unless we're the rapture generation and nobody but, but the Lord knows that. Have you ever wondered what your attitude will be as you approach death and what your words will be? Because our words reveal our hearts. Jesus said that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever's in your heart is going to come out in your words. But uh, uh, we really need to think about that a little bit because the Bible tells us how we should approach death. The Bible doesn't simply teach us how we should live. It tells us how we should die and what our attitude should be. As we get closer to the time of our earthly departure, it tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 about how we should die. And I'd like you to turn to Hebrews 11 if you're not there already, because we have been going through the book of Hebrews and we have reached the faith chapter. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews 11 that not only should we live by faith, but when we die, we should die in faith. And I'd like to read to you Hebrews 11 verses 20 through 22. Three men and how they faced death. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding things to come. By faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. Now, the writer to the Hebrews, having finished telling us about Abraham's faith, and he took a rather uh, lengthy time to do that, telling us about the, the faith of Abraham, who is the supreme example of faith in the Bible. Having finished with that, the writer now concentrates on three generations of Abraham's descendants. Number one, he tells us about his son, Isaac, And his faith. Number two, he tells us about his grandson, Jacob, also known, by the way, as Israel. In case you see Israel in the Bible, we say, who is Israel? Israel is Jacob. God changed his name. But Jacob is the grandson of Abraham. And then one great grandson he chooses to tell us about, and that is Joseph. And the main point of these verses, what connects it all, is that these verses tell us that each of these men had a faith that looked beyond death. If you notice as you go through each of these statements, you see that as they were dying, in Isaac's case, he thought he was dying. He still lived a number of years after this, but he thought he was dying. So so there is that attitude of death approaching and so forth. But each of these men had a great faith that looked beyond death. In the face of death, these men triumphed. That's that's the point. These men triumphed as they looked death in the face and they said, I still believe God. I take God at his word. They had a firm conviction that death could not frustrate the the plan of God, could not frustrate the word of God. Someone said this, they died defeating death knowing that even though they died, God's promises could not die. I like that. As they knew that they were going to die, they they affirmed that they believed that after their death, God would fulfill his word because his word is indeed the very living word of God. Faith in God's word is the key to life. However, faith in God's word is also the key to death and it's the way to die. And these three ancient biblical characters illustrate the way God wants us as believers to die. And so we're going to learn from the ancients this morning. We're going to look at each of these men, uh, the faith of Isaac, the faith, the faith of Jacob, and the faith of Joseph. And we're going to see uh, not only how they did this and why they did this, but how it applies to us. Because we don't want to face death as bitter old people or bitter young people, for that matter. We don't want to face death frustrated, do we? I don't want to face death in a hopeless state with remorse and regrets. We want to look death in the face and speak with confidence about things to come. That's the way you want to die. And young people, I realize that when you're young, you never think death will approach you. But uh, take my word for it, it will. It will. And take what the Bible says, it will. You think you have all your life ahead of you. We're not promised uh, at least we're not told any promise that we're going to live beyond today. We don't know. And so this applies to all of us. And so let's begin this morning by looking at the faith of Isaac. Verse 20 says, By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, those were his two sons, even regarding things to come. Now, the incident of Isaac blessing his two sons was very familiar to the original Hebrew uh, readers of this letter. So the writer did not have to go back and say, you remember that in Genesis 27, uh, the, Moses said this, but Genesis 27 is not as familiar to us as to the Hebrew people. And so we need to turn to Genesis 27. In fact, we'll be in Genesis more than we'll be in Hebrews This morning. In fact, uh, as you go through the book of Hebrews in chapter 11, you realize that you can't understand Hebrews 11 apart from Genesis because the writer is simply going through Genesis and saying this is the way the ancients lived. This is the way your ancestors lived. They walk by faith. So you need to walk by faith. But Genesis chapter 27 and we're going to read lengthy passages of Scripture, but very interesting portions of Scripture. Uh, This is the background, and it's a rather strange story. So just sit back and listen and follow as I read Genesis 27 to you. Now, it came about when Isaac was old and his eyes were too dim to see that he called his older son, Esau, and said to him, My son, and he said to him, Here I am. And Isaac said, Behold, now I am old, and I do not know the day of my death. Now then, please take your gear, your quiver and your bow and go out to the field and hunt game for me and prepare a savory dish for me such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat so that my soul may bless you before I die. And Rebecca, that's his wife, was listening while Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game to bring home, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Behold, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau, saying, Bring me some game and prepare a savory dish for me that I may eat and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, listen to me as I command you. Go now to the flock and bring me two choice kids from there that I may prepare them as a savory dish for your father such as he loves. Then you shall bring it to your father that he may eat so that he may bless you before his death. And Jacob answered his mother, Rebekah, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man and I'm a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me and then I shall be as a deceiver in his sight and shall bring upon myself a curse and not a blessing." But his mother said to him, "'Your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go.'" Get them for me. So he went out and got them and brought them to his mother, and his mother made savory food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her elder son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck, and she also gave the savory food and the bread which she had made to her son Jacob. Then he came to his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Remember, he he could not see well. Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Get up, please sit and eat of my game that you may bless me. And Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord your God caused it to happen. Then Isaac said to Jacob, please come close that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob came close to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him and he said, are you really my son Esau? And he said, I am. So he said, "'Bring it to me, and I will eat of my son's gain, that I may bless you.' And he brought it to him, and he ate. He also brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, "'Please come close and kiss me, my son.'" So he came close and kissed him, and when he smelled the smell of his garments, he blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Now may God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and uh, and an abundance of grain and new wine. May people uh, people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master of your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be those who curse you, and blessed be those who bless you. Now it came about as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob and Jacob had hardly gone out from the presence of Isaac his father that Esau his brother came in from his hunting then he also uh, made savory f- food and brought it to his father and he said to his father let my father arise and eat of his son's game that you may bless me and Isaac his father said to him who are you and he said I'm your son your firstborn Esau then Esau trembled and Isaac rather trembled violently and said Who was he then that hunted game and brought it to me so that I ate of of all of it before you came and blessed him? Yes, and he shall be blessed. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. And he said, Your brother came deceitfully and has taken away your blessing. Then he said, Is he not rightly named Jacob, for he has supplanted me these two times? He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. And he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? But Isaac answered and said to Esau, Behold, I have made him your master and all his relatives. I have given to him as servants, and with grain and new wine I have sustained him. Now as for you then... What can I do, my son? And Esau said to his father, Do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, my father. So Esau lifted his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fertility of the earth shall be your dwelling, and away from the dew of heaven from above, and by your sword you shall live, and your brother you shall serve. But it shall come about when you become restless that you shall break his yoke. From your neck. now, ladies and gentlemen, that is what the writer to the Hebrews is talking about when he says that Isaac blessed both Jacob and Esau. But this is a strange story. This is this is a story filled with deception. It's a story filled with trickery. It's a story that reveals uh, the re- uh, just plain rebellion to the will of God. But before you look at the story, it's important that we understand the ancient custom of a father blessing his children. I mean, we looked at it, but before we sort through the details of this, you might wonder in your mind, so what's the big deal? Someone says, bless you. Every time I sneeze, someone says that. So what's the big deal here? Let me explain. In the ancient world, when a father came to the end of his days on earth, he would pronounce a blessing over his children. This would normally include his inheritance, and that's the major part of this. Keep that in mind. He would pass on his inheritance in the blessing. It would also mean that he would name the son who would carry on the role of priest in the father, in the family and headship. You say, but wait, didn't Israel have a whole priestly, uh, uh, situation and whole system? Yeah, but not at this point. This is hundreds of years before God instituted the priesthood through Moses. So whoever was the head of the home was the priest. Okay? Now, the oldest son would usually be the major recipient of this blessing. In fact, the custom was that the oldest son received a double inheritance, a double inheritance. The others would receive something, but the oldest son received a double inheritance as well as the uh, the priesthood and headship of the family. But in the case of Isaac having two sons, Esau and Jacob, God sovereignly overruled this ancient custom and declared that Jacob who was the younger one would receive the blessing and the inheritance rather than Esau the older one and let me explain you say so he got the inheritance what did he get some sheep some tents no no that wasn't all that wasn't it at all i mean that may have been part of it but the inheritance the primary inheritance that Isaac was passing on is the Abrahamic covenant God made a covenant with Isaac's father which said, I will make you a great nation. I will give you this land of Canaan as far as the eye can see and beyond it. And from you, the Messiah would come who would bless all the families of the earth. Isaac had that passed on to him. He had it willed to him from Abraham. It didn't go to Ishmael, the other son. It went to Isaac. And now Isaac, in saying the blessing, is passing on the inheritance of the Abrahamic covenant to one of his sons. God said, you're going to pass it on to Jacob, not Esau. Isaac said, oh, yeah, I'm going to pass it on to Esau, and God overruled him. Let's look at Genesis 25, and I'll show you this. Genesis 25, verse 21. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren, and the Lord answered him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. But the children struggled together within her. And she said, if it is so, why then am I this way? So she went to inquire the Lord. She wants to know what's going on inside of me here. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb, and two people shall be separated from your body. In other words, you're going to have twins. What, what he's saying. The one people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. Now that was contrary to ancient custom. But in spite of the divine pronouncement, and you have to know that that uh, that Isaac knew about this. That's without question. Isaac, though, was still determined to give Esau his blessing, not Jacob. You say, why? Why would this guy do this? Well, as incredible as it seems, look at verse 27. Not seems, as incredible as it is. When the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a peaceful man, living in tents. Now, Isaac loved Esau. Why? Because he had a taste for game. That's it. But Rebekah loved Jacob. Why was Esau Isaac's favorite son? Because Isaac liked food. That's why. And Esau provided him with good meals. He was a hunter. Talk about favoritism. The Smother, Smothers brothers never invented it. You know, that mom liked you best. This goes back to, the, to the, the very beginning in the sin, man's heart. Imagine liking a child more because he can give you your favorite dish. How carnal. So when it came time for Isaac to pronounce his blessing, which really, as I said, was the continuation of God's promises to Abraham, he told Esau, go hunt some food for me and make a good meal. This will be my last meal. I'm going to bless you, Esau, and then I'm going to die but while Esau was out hunting, as you know, Rebekah came up with a, with a lying scheme, a lying scheme to dress Jacob up like Esau and deceive her husband into giving Jacob the blessing, thinking he was Esau. I remember, he was dim in his sight and he could not see. Now, we read this story and you've got to wonder, how could Isaac have blessed Jacob in faith? Come on, faith? How could this be faith at all? The man was rebellious. The whole family acted shamefully. Isaac stubbornly refused to submit to God's choice of blessing. That was Jacob. I mean, He's not just fooling around with his inheritance. He's fooling around with the whole Abrahamic covenant now. was pretty serious. Rebekah and Jacob tried to secure the blessing by deception rather than just trusting God to accomplish what he said he would accomplish. And you know what? Had they never resorted to this, God would have given Jacob the blessing. That was his sovereign plan. I don't know how he would have done it. Maybe maybe Esau would have dropped dead in the field of a heart attack. I don't know. But God would have made sure that Jacob had received the blessing without scheming. And Esau, we didn't even read the story about this, but Esau sold his birthright as the oldest son to Jacob for what? Food. Guess where he got that from? Great role model of his father.
0: Well, so far, this story from Genesis is a great example of unfaithfulness. What a terrible example of faith. But as a pastor friend of mine would say, there's perverse encouragement in this story. Even though these men failed so badly in their faith, God later gave them what they needed to regain and increase their faith. Now, maybe you've had a miserable failure in your faith. Perhaps you're experiencing some doubts about God right now. If you will stay with us through the next few classes, you will see how God changed these people. In spite of failures from time to time, they stood solid in their faith in God and His promises, even as they faced death. He can change us, too. He's still the same Almighty God who loves to help us to trust Him more every day. You have been listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Since 1981, Pastor Steve has been serving at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. His clear, practical teaching has been adapted to radio through verse-by-verse ministries. Our website is versebyverseradio.org. If you would like to hear today's lesson again, it's available at the website. You can hear or download not only today's broadcast, but others as well. Previous programs are located in the archives page. This site also has information about verse-by-verse ministries and Pastor Steve himself. The web address again is versebyverseradio.org. If you would like to hear Pastor Steve's entire message at one time without announcements, you can order it by telephone. You can choose either a cassette or an audio CD by calling us at 727-239-0306. Leave your name and a number and we'll return your call during weekday office hours. That number again, 727-239-0306. Verse by Verse Ministries is a faith ministry supported by the prayers and gifts of interested listeners who have first been faithful to their local church. We invite you to join us for our next class when we will continue to study the heroes of the faith. Even though Jacob was not quite what you would call a spiritual giant, God had him listed in the Faith Hall of Fame, which we know of as Hebrews chapter 11. We hope you'll be able to join us for our next verse-by-verse Bible class as we continue learning how that happened in Jacob's life.